is Raider fans, and welcome to the Raider Nation podcast. And holy crap, June and July have to be the longest friggin' months in the year if you're a football fan, and I know it is if you're a Raider fan. Welcome to the show, and welcome to show number 82. Well, here we are into June, and I'm telling you, baseball is it, basketball is over, and uh, here we are. We're just waiting. There's not much movement. There's not much happening. We're trying to dig it on up, if you know what I'm talking about. All you Raider fans out there, you diehards, I know you are because you're listening to me right now. And you're reading Raider Take and you're uh, checking out uh, Calico Jack's site, which is an awesome site too. So it's silverandblackforever.com. Check it out. Now, Listen, Raider fans, I'm jonesing just as bad as anyone else. But if you look, you'll see there's little things happening. And there's all kinds of speculation still in the Raider Nation. I, You know, everywhere I go or I see Raider fans, it's everywhere. And I mean everywhere. Um, controversy about coaching, everything else. Well, let's just get on to the show for today. Today's show will be AFC West, just a look at our competition and my personal thoughts on what's going to happen this season. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Raider Nation attitude. Raider Nation attitude, we need a little bit of an adjustment. I'm going to talk about that. ESPN let out the also mysterious power rankings in the NFL. Boy, if you were an NFL fan and you didn't figure this one out, you needed some help. I'm going to talk a little bit about Turner versus Walsh. Their, their differences and something that I think we might find familiar with these guys. I hope not. That's a, going to be another little story. And I'm going to talk right now about the officials, any officials. And then, of course, we'll have shouts out. And from our comment forum, what's happening on there from the Raider Nation podcast fan. Okay, folks, listen. I have to talk about this because I was blown away. I work at a firehouse, so you guys know that. And a guy that I work with, he's a soccer fanatic, and he watches all the soccer. So that's cool. We, we, uh, we're checking out soccer because I'm not a real soccer fan, never have been. I'm still not, but, you know, that's cool. Some people have their thing, and that's their thing. Long story short, the USA's team, I'm looking at, you know, they're supposed to be the best team we've had in years. The uh, fifth ranked in the world, and well, we got punked. We got we got beat. Uh, I I think our record is zero and three. I really don't count the one we won from Italy because they kicked the ball in themselves. So I'll tell you, the guy, the coach of the team, I don't even know his name, but when he stands up and he blames this foul call, the referee, as the reason the team couldn't get it together. Well, let me tell you, that is, it's weak. It's so weak. It's like, and you know, the worst thing about that, and the reason I'm talking about it, Raider fans, is hell, that crap happens to us five times a game, at least. And nobody gives a rat's ass about that. All you hear about is too bad you should have won. You should have just overcome. But heck, man, have the USA soccer team 
get punked on a crappy call, and boy, they want to bring down the duck on house. Well, you know, I think that's crap. And once again, to any of you referees out there that are refereeing the NFL, well, you can kiss my ass. Sorry about that. I should have gone over the parental warning before I started my show because I know I was going to go out on a tangent. Okay, I'm going to take a look at the AFC West, shall we? Let's just take a short jaunt through what's happening with our competition. I'm going to add on things. This is this is me talking to you about what I feel uh, the West has in store for us this season. Now, I don't think the West will be as strong as it was last year, uh, barring the San Diego Chargers. I'm going to start off here with the Broncos, though. Now, Denver had everything going, and they were pretty good last year. Uh, their quarterback was very controversial. Of course, he made some bad plays. And, of course, their home game loss, but they lost to the Super Bowl champs. However, they did lose, and they lost pretty bad. So they went out and got Jay Cutler. Well, guess what that means? Controversy. Controversy in the locker room. Who's going to throw the ball? What's going to happen to me? Where am I going? What about my money? goes right down the line, folks. All the players, the receivers, well, is this guy to throw to me? Or, you know, how's this guy going to do? Are we going to have have to drop back and catch back balls? He's a young guy. Who's going to take the reins? Is it going to change midseason? This adds a big, big-time karma bruise on the Denver Broncettes. And I'm going to tell you right now, Raider fans, that Denver could be the team in turmoil for 06. And just this one thing right here. Um, already some things happening. Ashley Lilly, uh not making a couple of the things. Javon Walker, he re-injured his knee. So his running game, the running game, uh, you know what? Denver might be in trouble this season. That's all I'm going to say about that because they ain't going to be what they were last year. That I can tell you for sure. They're not going to be what they were last season. So what I'm saying is they're not going to be what they were last season. End of story. Now, let's go on to the Kansas City chefs. I'm going to call them the Kansas City chumps because, uh, you know, here we are. Kansas City is probably the oldest team in the NFL, let alone in the AFC West. They got some players that are banged up. Priest Holmes had the super concussion times two last season, and I don't know if he's going to come back totally together. I know it might take one more hit to send his career out. Not that I'd like that to happen to anybody, but... He's taking some chances on this one, but it does look like he might play this season. Larry Johnson, uh, he's pretty awesome, and he's going to have to pick it up another notch because he's going to get the ball way more than Priest Holmes, and he's going to be the man. He was good last season. We did a pretty good job that second game on him, but you know what? Uh, He's going to be the only threat, really. And then, of course, you have Trent Green, who's getting on up there, and... (laughs) Uh, they got some good new people too, but their offensive line was beat hard last season. They spent a lot of time in injury. They lost one guy and then another guy and one guy, and their defensive line took some hits too. So I think their line is going to show their weakness in the age. It's not going to be 
and Trent Green or any of the receivers or Priest Home, I really seriously think that Kansas City could be the new basement team in the AFC West. I think we can beat them twice. I truly do, especially with their offensive line. If we can get push up the middle and their defensive line, we should be able to hold them with Mad McMullet. And so there we go. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs could be uh, a place where we can stand this season. I hope. I hope so. Now if we go to the San Diego Chargers. Well, here we. I got another situation. We have a brand new quarterback. However, Philip Rivers has a great cast of characters around him, just like Ben Roethlisberger did when he went in to uh, to the Steelers. He's got a great supporting cast, so I can't say anything about him being the new quarterback. But I will say this. He does play very well, but he's going to need a whole lot of help, and that team's going to have to do some adjustments to keep this guy on the same lines as Drew Brees because Drew Brees, he went two straight seasons working. And uh, it wasn't his fault that they didn't make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, but I love saying that they didn't because Charger Ray, if you're tuning in, uh, well, anyway, of all the teams, San Diego does have the fiercest defense. And that was a killer last season. It's going to be another one this year. And if their offense can keep a couple points on the board, they could be the top of the notch here for the AFC West. But I do look for some transition pain going from the quarterback to uh, the new quarterback, Phillip Rivers. Now, the Oakland Raiders. Now, we have an, a definitely seasoned quarterback in Aaron Brooks who seems like he's fitting right in. That's just not me saying it. That's a kind of a team uh, atmosphere that's happening right now with the Aaron Brooks situation. Way much more a gamer, and it's obvious, not only in the way he carries himself on the field, but in the way he talks off the field. He's a happy-go-lucky guy. They said that in uh, New Orleans, that was his problem, that he didn't take the game serious enough. Well, you know, I can hardly find that uh, believable. Uh, he's a gamer. I like the way he plays. And you know what? I'm probably going to take heat all season if he if he ends up like Kerry Collins. But I must say, I believe that his best seasons are ahead of him. And I believe this next season, 06, with the type of firepower that he has at his command, uh, other than we have a, we need a second-place running back, you know, that's going to be a problem because we have Fargus and Crockett, and they're not really the ones we need. We need one more premier guy. But long story short, the Oakland Raiders, in all seriousness, not telling you just because I'm a fan, have a very good opportunity to have a shot at the playoffs this season if we can get it together on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, just like all other teams. That's pretty funny, huh, if we can get together. If, if, if. Well, as a fan, I'm hoping we can get it together. And as a fan, I appreciate our team. I appreciate what uh, Archell has done. I think he'll do a great job on that offensive line. Okay. Now, the next story.
You know, the Chargers, they have Raider Week. And so do the Chiefs. And so does <laughs> our arch enemies, the ones I love to hate, the Doncos. They all have Raider Week. They all have a solid week of media blitzing, fan participation, team ripping in the public, Raider, anti-Raider hatred coming out hard all over the Raiders, all over the Oakland Raiders. And, you know, I was thinking, I've seen a lot of discussion here of late about the fans, you know, because it's this time of year, of course. But more than that, I think that the fans really need to step it up a notch. We are the most intense fans in football. But I will say, if we don't start having Bronco Week or Charger Week or Donko Week, then I think that does a great injustice to our team. There's a lot of hatred of the Oakland Raiders throughout the AFC West. Let me tell you, it goes back a long ways because we thumped the living daylights out of these guys many, many times. And so they don't like us. Well, too bad. Because guess what? The silver and black are coming back. And I'm going to tell you this. The fans make a huge difference. We need to start having Raider Week for, like they have Raider Week, we need to have Bronco Week, Charger Week, and Chef's Week. And I'm going to start it right here in the Red Nation Podcast. We're going to start the week off, and we're going to rock throughout the week, and we're going to come out with some stuff. we got to get some other organizations involved. I want to be emailing everybody. we got to come up with a 66 mob. we got to get this Charger Week, Bronco Week, Chef's Week thing worked out so that by the time those suckers get into town, the fans are frothing at the mouth to rip them. To just rip them. And that's what I'm talking about. So let's start up with that. And that's all I got to say about that. No, I know. I'll say it again. Charger week. Donko week. Chiefs week. We need to have that and work it up into a frenzy. Because I'm, I'm telling you, Raider Nation, I'm going to go on to this right now, too. Because I'm on a tangent out right now. As fans, we got some great fans, man. The best in sports. But I'll tell you, at the games, it's an odd it's an odd thing. It's odd to me how you can have a stadium three-quarters filled with screaming Raider fans that makes a certain pitch and a certain noise level. And then you can have the same Coliseum, the same black hole, the same home of the silver and black with a third as many fans like the last game of the season. And the sound level is higher than when it's filled. So what that tells me as a fan and as a very intense fan is that when we got a lot of fans there, people taking time off, people taking a break, people going, ah, I'm going to talk about uh, something else. I got to, I'm going to put some food in my face. I'm going to drink a beer. I'm going to talk about what I did last night. You know what, Raider fan? I'm here to tell you that when it's time to let it out, I mean, and you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about time to let it out. When it's time to let it out, then we got to get down and let it out. 
And I mean stop drinking the beer, get that sandwich out of your melon, you know, you know, put the fries down and get on the vocality. Get on the intensity. Be that 12th man and support our team at the beginning of the season, right now. Crap at that Raider Nation celebration. If you're going to come to a game, I'm telling you, put all, you're putting your money down. Put your voice down, too. That's your job, Raider fan. Because I'm telling you right now, I am telling you across the world and the globe, there are fans screaming at the top of their lungs. Screaming at their television. Go, baby! Come on, Raider! Come on, Moss! Screaming. And you're sitting in the stands, and you got, you know, a sandwich in your face. I know I might be talking to a select few, but I, I'm, I'm talking... You, you know who you are. You know exactly who you are. I'm just asking you to do me a favor. When the 12th man stands up, stand on up. All right. Now... <sighs> Sorry, I kind of got off on a tangent there. got a little emotional, but you know what? I'm jonesing for some football, as everybody else is too. Turner versus Walsh. You know, I made no bones about Turner last season. And a, a brief overlook of the play calling. It was very pathetic. It was pathetic because it was fully scriptable. It was almost funny how this whole section I was sitting in would be, we'd all say, oh, they're going to run it up the middle. And sure enough, it'd be like third and 15, and they'd run the ball right through the middle. Of course, with the obvious result, they would try the third and two and go for the long ball pass to whoever that was thrown dreadfully short or more chances than not out of bounds to a nearby fan. So... North Turner's offense was brutally basic, and as far as I was concerned, the play calling and where the ball went was was bullcrap. Excuse my language, but I gotta I say it like it is. Now let's look, to look at Tom Walsh. Very very similar history of play calling buffoonery. Tom Walsh in 1994, which was his really only season that he did call the plays, and he was the man. Uh, if you talk to any fan, and there's plenty out there that'll email you, and there's plenty out there that'll that'll just take it on down and tell you what happened, the play calling was juvenile and unbelievably lacking in imagination. There were a couple of opportunities last uh, year that Turner was coaching that he had some trick plays. It came out of nowhere. They were very unexpected, and you know who you're, who I'm ta- what I'm talking about, Raider fan, because if you watch the games, which I know you did, 
you remember exactly what I'm saying. There were a couple of games where Turner threw in these plays that were really out of the ordinary, funky kind of uh, tricky plays, and they worked awesome. They both times. And I kept saying, well, what does this have some more of those? Let's have, but never again in the whole game or the next two games did we see that play. That's the kind of stuff that used to just freak me out, and that's the kind of stuff that Tom Walsh does too. So I'm hoping that Tom Walsh is not the end-all, be-all to the coaching on the uh, offense. I'm hoping that Tom Walsh is not the same guy who would have Jeff Hofstetler hold the ball from three and a half seconds to four seconds. And let me tell you right now, a seven-step drop is a 2.3-second thing. That's the longest you should hold the ball. And an average is about 1.7 seconds. Now, he had Haas holding the ball for four seconds. We had the most penalties in football at 156, and it was brutal because the fans were like, what the, what the hell's going on? Holding, holding. Of course they're holding. I mean, how long are you going to push a guy off? I'm hoping that Tom Walsh has taken a good hard look at his last year in football and says to himself, and I quote, Hell no, I ain't going back there. Because if Tommy does, Tom Walsh is not going to be around next season. All right, Raider Nation. Let's get down to a little bit of the Raider Nation podcast forum. You know, we've changed it a couple times. Well, long story short, it's what it's going to be for the rest of this podcast. (laughs) The comments forum, and that's what we're calling it. Kind of funny. If you haven't checked out the site, I just want to encourage you to check out RaiderNationPodcast.com because Randell does an awesome job. And if you're on that Frapper map, you're going to be featured on the front page sooner or later. So get your mug, get your melon, get on in there with your silver and black, get yourself a picture, and shout it out. Okay, so let's go here to the comments forum. Okay, we'll go down here to C New York Raider fan. Oh, we got another Raider fan in New York. Uh, Tommy the Raider's got some company here. And he's talking about the defensive formation. I just read that the Raiders might move more to a 3-4 instead of a 4-3 uh, or strong nickel. I thought that we didn't have uh, the D-line suited for that type of defense. Does anyone else have heard of this? Yes, I've heard of it, and I'll comment on it right now. With the loss of Washington, Ted Washington was a huge boulder in the middle line. Um, With the loss of Washington, they're really going to have to uh, change some things up when it comes to that defense um, because of the run. And I think that they're still going to use a lot of 4-3, a lot more 4-3 than anything else. 
but there's also have they also have some linebackers that can give him those options. It depends on the tight end too of the opposing team. You know, you, when you have someone that's fast that can get out strong and fast, you're going to have to have really strong and fast linebacking core. If you don't, then you're going to have to have that front four has to be incredibly brutal. I don't think our front four is going to be that strong this season. I think they might be adequate, uh, but we'll, it'll depend on how those new players, our new rookies, uh, linebackers, um, take on. It depends on how they play. Because in all reality, that's going to make a difference on the defense. Uh, we're also, of course, our secondary half and those guys. But you know, that's going to be brutal. We need that. We need that front four to be really strong and and penetrate. And if our linebackers are strong and can shoot gaps, uh, we might be able to put a lot more pressure than we did last season. So now they say they're going to go to three four. I disagree. I think they're going to stay mainly with the four three because they need to have that that run stopping capability. And against teams like San Diego, I, I just don't see us going to a three four. We don't have the personnel for it yet, uh, depending upon how, like I said, how our rookies do. So that's my opinion on that one. Okay, New York Raider Tommy comes in again, and he's talking about his New York Raider brother because it's always good to find a brother in hostile territory. Um, he's trying to answer the question, and he talks about Brayton also um, going back to his national position as defensive end, which I think he should, you know, because he's too small to be on the line on the front four. And he's kind of too big to be a linebacker. So defensive end seems to be where he should be. No more linebacker for him. They did mix it up last year, 4-3-4. and four, Maybe some more of the same. I think that's going to be exactly the same this season. Um, but here's what he says. Hey, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm feeling like a crackhead who needs a fix. He's got the shakes and everything. everything. He wants some football. Well, that's what I've been talking about, Raider Nation, right there. I love my Yankees, but I can't wait to see the silver and black out there in the field. Well, no doubt. I love my A's, but I feel the same way. I'm telling you guys, I think we're going to be good this year. I can't wait to see Art Shell flip out when something goes wrong. Wait, maybe I can. Well, I don't think he flips out. He never really flipped out before. He was very stoic. Art Shell, I remember just putting his folding his hands and looking very disgruntled. Anyways, I will go on. What I mean is no more of Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. That's right. No more Mr. Rogers. No more Mr. Nice Guy anymore. We're back to the nasty. Being from New York City, I'm all about that. Man, you got to be to be from the city, man. Of course, the city's beautiful nowadays. They sure did a big, nice job by cleaning up Manhattan because I was there when it was bad to the bone. And I mean, it was it was pretty insanely dangerous to walk the streets of Manhattan way back when. I'm dating myself, though. <clears throat> Anyways, he goes on to say, can you tell I'm pumped? Uh, online right now, looking for a new jersey in 06. Uh, the White Moss jersey didn't do anything for me last year, so he's going to go old school. Yeah, He already has a, a white Bo Jackson or an Art Shell. Let me know what you guys think. Yeah, let him know what you think, man. I personally think Bo Jackson is bad to the bone, but I am going to go JT. I'm going Jack Tatum this year because... I just have this feeling. I have a Jack Tatum feeling about this season. I think bringing back to Nasty is equal Jack Tatum. That's all i got to say about that. Okay. So, let us move on. 
Okay, this is George Fernando Lopez Nieto. There you go, man. Warren Sapp's a fat ass, and he must get fired. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. I love being a Raider fan. Okay, here we go. It's hard for me to be exciting about next NFL season. I will be happy if we finish 8-8, eight and eight, and I feel the same way. And if we beat the living crap out of the Broncos, yes, I feel totally the same way about it, my brother. And this is why. We hired Aaron Brooks as starting QB, and we could have drafted Mac Liner. But, nah, I'll give Brooks the benefit of the doubt. You're better, brother, because I am. And I'll cheer him throughout the season. Right on, man. You have to cheer the leader. But I don't think he is the guy for the Raiders. What really bothers me is that fat bastard called Warren Sapp. <laughs> Great players will always be acquired by the Raider Nation, just as it did with D. Burgess last season. Yep, we love Burgess. But he did something for the team. Leading the NFL in sacks is not easy. And I definitely agree with you there. But what has Sapp done for the last two seasons? He has cashed his money. That's what he's done. Our defense is the league's worst, and Sapp is part of the reason why. Warren Sapp is another player who comes on the team after a successful career with some other team and becomes a big underachiever. You can't say he's been a great rare player. Um, when he has recorded one sack, yes, one sack in three seasons, just like Larry, Larry Brown and Desmond Howard. I hope this mediocrity out of Tampa gets fired during the preseason because he does not deserve to be called a Raider. Let me know what you do think. Well, I just think Sapp's old. I think if Sapp was, you know, eight years, seven years younger, we'd have um, the same intense Sapp that they had in Tampa Bay. But I just think Warren Sapp is old. I think he's 33 right now. I think he's old. I think he's tired. I think he's tired of because, man, he's in the middle of it. I mean, the shit is right on the line. It all happens right there, as you well know. So I I wouldn't work Sap over that much. I believe he's doing as good a job as he can. And you know what? I'll also tell you this. I saw last season they double-teamed him a lot, okay? He was not a single-team guy. They double-teamed him a lot. So I'm not gonna give it. I'm not gonna give uh, Sap any crap about the season, because that's what allowed Derek Burgess to get all those sacks. Because they had to double up on some somebody was left open, and it happened to be Burgess. There was a hole there for him to get through to the quarterback, and that was created by a lot of double teams with Sap and Washington. And so I I can't I can't agree with you, brother. I do believe he's not a, a half the player he used to be. And the Raiders might have to cut him, but not because he hasn't wanted to be there. It's that uh, he's just getting old, brother. That's all. Just like everybody. Everybody gets old. Scott Smith. He talks about Andrew Walter. Just watch the videos of Walter in the multimedia portion of your site. And all I can say is, wow. Here's a kid that showed some real poise in the pocket, shaking off tackles and making some solid throws. If you watch closely, you can see him managing the field and going through his progressions. Obviously, these are highlights, but I believe he showed some real potential and deserves some playing time this season. Uh, I have been following the Raiders since I was five years old. Okay, brother! And I watched my first my first football game, Super Bowl, when the Raiders beat the Eagles 27-10. to 
I've seen many QBs come and go, but I think this kid is the real deal. Keep up the good work. Love the site and your podcast. Go Raiders. Well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate it, brother, very, very much. And let me tell you what I think about this situation. I think that Walter is the man. I've always said that. I've said it from last season. And it's totally true in the video. You can see that he is a gamer. And this kid does not give up. He get pushed down, stepped on, thumped, and get right back up and be all business, baby. And also have a passion behind him. And you can tell the other dynamic that I appreciate about it that really isn't that obvious. But if you look, you'll see it too, is the team reacts to him. The rest of the team, after he threw the ball two times, the rest of the team was like, we're going to protect this kid. We're going to really do a good job. You could totally see a change in the momentum of the team after he started to play. And thereafter, they knew that this kid was the real deal. Al Davis is no fool. When they drafted this kid, he was the quintessential quarterback for the Raiders, and he will be the number one guy as long as he can stay healthy. Okay, here we go. New York Tommy Raider comes back in again. <laughs> Hello, my people. George, I'm going to have to disagree. Let's be fair. He was uh, He's talking about Warren Sapp now. This is, I didn't even read this one yet. Let's be fair. He, has, he was doing really well for us last year, almost, almost back to Sapp from before he got hurt. You can even say he was our best defensive player in the beginning of the year, and I have to agree 100%. And right now, let me interject this. He is also a leader of the team. And you really must have that on a defense. Okay, so I'll continue. Remember, he had the interception against the Eagles, which was also awesome. The one thing you can see, you cannot take away from this guy is his passion. The guy you hate if he's not on your team, and that's absolutely true. He wants to win no matter what, no matter where he's playing. Remember, two seasons ago, when Gates was killing us, Sap went nuts. He said, if no one wants to to stick him let me guard him now you can you can do that so you got to love when he's when he says something like that um if everyone ha if everyone on this team had that fire would be unbeaten and i got to agree yes he's not getting his sacks that would he would like to get for him but is a dt and if he's clogging the middle and letting burgess like i said hey you got to say you're on the same wavelength tommy baby uh, letting Burgess do the sacks, does it really matter? Absolutely not. And we, can, we can't let him go. Well, we're really thin at defensive tackle. That's totally true. And I was hoping for uh, definitely some defensive tackles this draft. And I'm just interjecting here. We didn't get him, so we're stuck with what we got. One thing I do agree with is Burgess. The guy's the best. He's a beast. He's, his motor never stops. That's just my opinion and uh, what the hell it's worth. So I agree. You know, I already said all that stuff before I read your take, Tommy. Um, the one thing I'll tell you, too, yeah, like you said, he's got the passion. And the other thing I didn't mention, too, is he is a team leader. And you cannot replace a team leader because when he was out of the game, there was a marked difference in the defense. The whole defensive line was very tentative at the very least. He he is a great player, and I do still think he's got some left for us. So I don't think they should get rid of him. But, you know, like Raider fans, we're all entitled to our opinion. Calico Jack comes in now. He talks about Sap as well. George, 
Just for the record, Sapp had five sacks last year before getting hurt. He was one of our most productive players in our defensive unit. We need Sapp to stay healthy, remain productive, and show the young guys like Tommy Kelly, Tardell Sands, Ayanta Hawthorne, the ropes. We need veterans like Sapp that have been through the wars. His presence on the field is our young with our young defense units is valuable, just like I said. Take a look at our D. Our starting unit has only two players with more than five years' experience, Warren Sapp and Danny Clark. The majority of our defenders have only a couple years of experience. Sapp is one of our leaders in the locker room. Enough said. That's what I've been saying right there. Here comes the Raider Nation. Comes right in. Reality check right there. Here we go. Tommy comes in again. It's possible, he says. I don't know if anyone else has looked at the 2006 season schedule as of yet, but I've been looking at it for about two days now, and I can say it's been slow at work. Well, I tell you, I'm glad it has been. I'm not going to say where you work, Tommy. I hope your boss isn't a Raider fan. I doubt it, though. You're safe here, brother, because you're in hostile territory. Here's what I've come up with. Tell me what you think. Week one, Monday night, the Black Hole versus San Diego Chargers. I might be stating the obvious, but stop LT. Last year, he was enemy number one. 226 rushing yards, two TDs, 63 reception yards, one TT on a four-yard pass. Please. Somebody needs to break his legs. He's kidding about that. But stop him, please. Uh, You know what? Here's a guy that's got, not only is he a brutal runner, but he's got a brutal offensive line. San Diego, they're going to be tough to beat. That's all I got to talk about. Week two, Baltimore. Team was 5-2 and two at home last season. Not solid on Bowler or McNair. So, and McNair is old. Defense is aging as well. Baltimore could definitely be a winner for us, especially because, you know, I have to agree, Baltimore could be a winner. I think 2-0 into the bye is very possible. I don't. I think one, if we're 1-1, one one, we'll be lucky. I don't say lucky, but 1-1 one one will work because I think we can beat Baltimore because if they throw McNair in, I don't think he can gel with his players quite that quickly. Week 4, Cleveland. Ugly game last year. Boy, was it ever. It was painful. I was there. It was so ugly. But we should have won that one, and that's for damn sure. Nine to seven, that was ridiculous. I couldn't believe that. I think they're going to be better this year, but we'll we'll still be able to beat them. That I agree on. If we don't beat Cleveland this year, somebody needs to get their head examined or their rectum. Week five, we get to see Charles Woodson play against his old team. Same record as they had last year. They have Mr. Rogers running the offense. No, they don't. Green Bay doesn't have Mr. Rogers running their offense. San Francisco has Mr. Rogers running their offense. That's the problem with San Francisco. However, Green Bay won't go anywhere this year either. We could definitely win that. So now that puts us at 3-1. and one. That's pretty good. The Doncos. Ugh. They've killed us. Every year, well, not every year, but they've killed us of the last three seasons. And they're a juggernaut. But you know what? They haven't beat us every year. We just beat them two years ago. It was a brutal game in the snow at their house, and we can beat them. But I'll say that's a 50-50 shot. Week 7, the Chiefs. 
I think we have a very good chance of beating the Chiefs. Um, very good because their offensive defensive line is old, tired, and injury prone. And in week seven, they're really going to be injury prone. Now, here we go into week. He goes all the way to week 13, back at home against the worst team in the NFL last year. Um, but they did get Bush, which could change the dynamic for the Texans. Week 14, if Palmer is back, that's that's it. I think that uh, they could be a powerhouse, really go to the Super Bowl. Rams, you know what? We could beat the Rams. We beat them before. Let's just beat them because we used to beat them in the past. Week 16, KC, we could beat that game. Week 17, the Jets, this game was ugly ugly and i even have and he was there to see it i remember because we have pictures on our site from tommy being there thanks for those photos brother and uh the rest of the fans can check those out but the jets will have the first they have the the first pick in the 07 draft because we should be able to beat their ass this time so this is what i got out of this i might be a bit optimistic but here i go 2-0 by the bye. The next four, I see a 3-1. and one. Nice so far, but this is where it gets hard. If you can go 2-3 and three in the next five, we'll carry a big victory. Steelers, Seahawks, Broncos, Kansas City, and Chargers. That is brutal to get two out of that bunch. Well, still pretty good at 7-4. and four. December is not tough. Four maybe in one. Possibly, and that would be a record 11-5. and five. That's a playoff spot and maybe in the division, but I'm being too optimistic. What do you think? I think you're being way optimistic. Could possibly happen, but I still think if we do 8-8, eight and eight, we'll be on the right track, and that's where I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay 8-8 eight and because eight. even though there's a couple of teams in there, you think, oh, yeah, we can beat. Well, look what happened last season, and it really does make a difference where we end up after midseason, so after week seven, after week seven or eight, uh, we're going to know where we're going to be, and that's where the momentum has to continue to get better uh, no matter what, even if we have an opportunity to round it out the season. But if we're on week 13 or 12, and it looks like we're getting you know another 4-12 and 12 season, you could have some winnable games at the end, as it was proved last season, and the team just didn't step up with it. And I was there to see it, and it was very sad. So I don't want that crap to happen again because I think that's poor character, and that's something that the Raiders shouldn't have to be coping with is poor character. Okay, Raider Nation, I want to thank you all for tuning in to the Raider Nation podcast. We will be kicking it up and try to get as much information to the Raider fans as possible. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm Raider Greg, and I am out.